welcome. I'm Rabbi Nachal Matt with the Las Vegas Kollel. We all know about Ben Franklin, one of the great founding fathers of the United States of America. There wasn't anything significant that happened in the second half of the 1700s that Ben Franklin didn't have his fingers in. From the American Revolution to discovering the Gulf Stream, electricity, he was everywhere. And we've all heard stories about Ben Franklin. What many people don't know is that he had a very difficult relationship with his son, William. His son, William, was illegitimate, born out of wedlock, and Ben raised him as his son and took great care of him as a child. But as they got older, and as the American Revolution began to brew, William, his son, he really began to side with the Loyalists, with the British crown. Eventually, he would actually become the governor of New Jersey, but he would remain loyal to the British crown. And you can well imagine that Ben Franklin, that great patriot, well, that would really strain their relationship. And indeed, as the war broke out, William, he really sided with the British crown, and he actually was at one point jailed by the patriots, by the Americans, because again, he was loyal to the British. And that really destroyed their relationship. They'd become estranged. They would only meet one or two times after that point, but they never reconciled. And it's a real tragic story, a story of estrangement, a story of you know, a father and son who had started off with a close relationship, but then drift far apart. And you know, politics can certainly do that. They didn't see eye to eye. But was there something deeper? What was the story behind the story? What created that rift? What created that political divide between Ben and William Franklin? We read in the Torah, the book of Bamidbar and the book of Numbers, we read about the story of how Miriam and Aaron, they go ahead and they speak Lashon Hara, they speak negatively about Moshe. They gossip, they thought it was constructive, their conversation that they had about Moshe, but in truth it really wasn't, and it was a, it was a real sin. After speaking negatively about Moses, so God goes ahead and he criticizes uh, Aaron and Miriam for speaking negatively. He, he says, you know, how could you do that? But what's interesting is if you look in the verse carefully, when God goes ahead and begins his criticism of Aaron and Miriam, he says, Shimuna, please listen to what I have to tell you. And he goes on to criticize them for speaking inappropriately. Rashi explains the language na, that Hebrew word na, whenever it, it appears in the Torah, ein na ela lashon bakasha. The language of na is a language of a request. Please listen. I'd like you to please listen to what I have to say. Why does God need to speak so nicely? Why does God need to say na, a language of a request? Please listen to the criticism that I have to offer. And the implication seems to be that had God just gone ahead and criticized Aaron and Miriam for their gossip, for the Lush and heart that they spoke, maybe they wouldn't have accepted it. It may not have resonated within Aaron and Miriam the appropriate level that it should have. So God sort of has to buffer. He sort of has to tone down and introduce his criticism by saying, Shimuna, please listen. I want you to please listen to what I have to tell you. It's constructive. It's important. Please pay attention. And it's really a remarkable thing that Rashi is telling us. Here you have God who wants to speak to Aaron and, Mo and, and Miriam and offer them constructive criticism. God is doing this out of love. And Aaron and Miriam, they understand that. These are great, pious, righteous people. And if God is speaking to them, surely they want to listen to what God has to tell them. If God's going to give, give them criticism, if God is going to give them direction, surely they're eager to learn, even if it's something that highlights a 
mistake that they've made, certainly these are the types of people, they want to hear what God has to say. God's got no ego in it. There's no, this criticism isn't coming from an improper place. This is God's love. This is God giving them direction. Surely they want to listen. Yet, Rashi tells us God has to say, Shimu na, please listen. Because had God not mentioned that language of na, requesting with a please, their natural defenses, Aaron and Miriam, despite the fact that they're pious, righteous people, their natural defenses would have been up. They would have been guarded. They wouldn't have listened to God's criticism. Rambam explains in a different source that when it comes to criticism, sometimes we're in a position of influence or in a position of authority, and we need to go ahead and rebuke or criticize others. He cautions us, recognize, never criticize, never give rebuke from a place of power, a place of authority, from a place of anger, because people naturally don't like being criticized. People don't like being told what to do. People don't like being told what their flaws are. It's a natural human defense that we become very guarded when someone comes ahead, even when they're coming out of a place of love, to give us criticism, we naturally become defensive. And Aaron and Miriam, the greatest of the great, they become defensive when God, the most gentle of critics ever, when he goes ahead and he gives criticism to these wonderful, righteous people, even they become guarded. And that's why God has to say, nah, please listen to what I have to say. If it's true about Miriam, if it's true about Aaron, it's true about you and me. We've got to be so careful if we're giving criticism to people who are within our influence, our children, a colleague, a friend. If we ever have to go ahead and give some rebuke or criticism, recognize people are naturally very defensive. And when we go ahead and we start preaching, we tell our kids, you know, why did you come late? Or, you know, clean up after yourself. When we go ahead and we criticize People don't want to hear that, and it usually goes in one ear and right out the other. That doesn't mean we should never criticize. That doesn't mean we never have to go ahead and we should never rebuke. We have to do it, but in a gentle way. Probably never a good idea to go ahead and, you know, with anger or to criticize people in the heat of the moment. You know, certainly when it comes to our children, it's far more productive to have a positive conversation, not when they've just failed or messed up, but in a normal context, outside of the moment of failure, to go ahead and talk to our kids about values, about things that we think are good and appropriate, you know, of course there's a place for that kind of conversation. But to recognize, certainly as our children get older, or friends and colleagues who are adults, recognize people have a natural defense to criticism. And if we go ahead and we offer that criticism, we are naturally asking them to build a defense and it can create a real rift and a real divide in the relationship. When Ben Franklin, before the war, he went to England for, numbers of, for a number of years. He went to Europe for a couple of years and he took his son William along with him. While they were in England, William got really into the aristocracy that was in England. He really liked the upper class, and he began to really mingle with the high elite elements of society. Ben Franklin didn't like that. He always was a fan of the middle class, and he was never a fan of the aristocracy. And it really bothered him that his son William really had his, his eyes set on being an elitist. That bothered Ben. And if you look, Ben Franklin would eventually write his autobiography. And a big portion of his autobiography is all about criticizing elitism and talking about the merits of being part of the middle class. 
One of Ben Franklin's greatest biographers, Walter Isaacson, points out that Ben Franklin's autobiography and his criticisms of the elite aristocracy was actually directed directly to his son, William. And Isaacson argues that Ben Franklin was overly critical of his son, William, and his desire for elitism. Now, Ben Franklin was probably motivated with you know, appropriate reasons to criticize his son. But Isaacson argues that criticism didn't land well with his son William. And that was the cause of their divide. That was the cause of their estrangement. It was because Ben Franklin was just a little too critical of his son. He was too preachy. He talked down. He criticized him. And it didn't land well. And that's what created the divide. It's true about Ben Franklin. As we said, it's true about Miriam and Aaron. We don't like hearing criticism. Let's be so careful if we're ever in a position where we need to criticize others. We gotta remember to do it with a gentle touch.